have a Bible to Romans chapter 12. Or if you track it on your phone, you can turn, turn to Romans chapter 12. Uh, if not, you can find that printed inside your bulletin. Um, we're continuing a uh, new series this afternoon. Um, it's just called The Life of a New Church because that's exactly what we are. We're a new church. Um, and we're just thinking about what's essential for us right now. What's essential for us as a new church? Last week we talked about opening up our homes um, and inviting people around our tables. We talked about hospitality. And even in just a week, I've heard some really cool stories um, of y'all reaching out to neighbors that you've not reached out to previously to invite into your homes for a meal. And that was actually, if you look at the neighborhood group questions from last week, that was like one of the practice challenge things that we encourage y'all to do was to invite one person or family or whatever from your neighborhood or apartment complex that you've not handed the home before for a meal. Um, and I've already heard stories of, of these things being put on the calendar. So I just want to celebrate that. Um, we're really hoping that just a big wind of hospitality blows through our church and through the neighborhoods that we're in. Um, I'm convinced, I said this to my neighborhood group, that that's the way forward for the church, both in our life together and our life in reaching these neighborhoods is through opening up our homes and through our kitchen tables. Um, this week we're talking about using our gifts the spiritual gifts that God has given us. And I wonder what comes to mind with you when you hear that word, spiritual gifts. Um, if you've been around the church before, maybe it's sort of like, you think about like gifts assessments where you're kind of like, you know, charting these things, filling these things out and like trying to crack the code of like, what's the mysterious gift that God has given me that I can use? Um, so I don't know, maybe you've heard of like spiritual gifts before. If you're new to the church and, you're, and that's not your background, it sounds like these like really interesting superpowers that only church going people have these spiritual gifts that sound really mysterious and really cool. I'm not sure how you think about it, um, but we're looking at a passage in Romans this afternoon that's going to help us understand more about our gifts. And we're jumping into the end of Paul's letter to the Romans, and he's discussing these spiritual gifts, and he's going to tell us some ways in which we're all the same and some ways in which we're different. And I think if we're honest, we, both, we all feel this tug both directions of wanting to be the same as others around us, and wanting to be different. Um, you may feel that this afternoon, even just coming into this space, where you're like, the best thing that would happen this afternoon is for me not to be noticed, right? I want to be the same. I want to fit in. I don't want to be like called on. Don't worry, we don't do that here. I don't want to be called on. I don't want to like stand out. I just want to fit in. But then you also kind of feel this like, ah, uh, I want to be different too. Like I kind of want the, someone to notice me and to say hey to me. I want to feel welcome. I want to be distinct. I want to be different. We feel that tug. Honestly, it makes me think of my experience in middle school, um, where middle schoolers, maybe you can relate to this. Like, I wanted to fit in. I wanted to, to be the same as everyone. And so, for me, whatever this was, early 90s, mid 90s, um, I wanted to make sure I had the right No Fear shirts and Mossimo t shirts and Jinko jeans and Airwalk shoes. I wanted to fit in by having all those things, but I also, I wanted my Jinko jeans to be just a little bit bigger and a little bit cooler than other people's. Um, I wanted to have airwalks like everyone, but I wanted my airwalks to be like just slightly different, like maybe ones they hadn't seen before. I wanted my bowl haircut to just be a little bit crisper than the guy next to me. Sorry for those images, by the way. It was a different time. Um, we desperately want to be the same and fit in, and we desperately want to be different. What if God actually made us this way, to be both the same and different? I'm going to read our passage with that in mind. Romans 12, 
beginning in verse 3. We'll go through verse 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. The word of the Lord. Father, we do thank you this afternoon for your word. And we just confess that uh, if we're going to understand it, and if it is going to take root in our hearts, if it's going to really transform our minds like we prayed, then your Holy Spirit has to do that work. We, we, can't, we can't make that happen. So Spirit, we open ourselves up to you. Keep us in step with you this afternoon as we consider this text. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, uh, two headings this afternoon. I want to think about this. Um, two questions. One, how are we the same? And two, how are we different? How are we the same? And how are we different? First question I want to ask together this afternoon. How are we the same? All right, so we are jumping into the last few chapters of Romans, which is actually not totally fair to Paul uh, because we're assuming a lot about the first 11 chapters of his writing. The first 11 chapters of Romans are very, very rich, very beautifully theological, all about the gospel. It's the good news of God's righteousness to sinners. If you've never read Romans, please do. I actually have multiple friends who became followers of Jesus by reading Romans. It's that compelling. It's that interesting. So if you've never done that, I encourage you to read through the book of Romans. Um, in these rich 11 chapters, um, Paul goes through all this different theology and he unpacks these different ways. And he gets to chapter 12 where we are. And he's like, okay, here's what that means for your everyday life. So that's where we find ourselves. And he's going to start talking about, okay, in light of that rich theology, here's what this means for your gifts that God has given you. But he doesn't start with our differences in that. He starts with our similarities. Here's the first way in which we're all the same. We all need Jesus. That's the first way in which we're all the same. We all need Jesus. Look at verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Okay, so we're starting this conversation about spiritual gifts um, and like the cool particular ways that God has made you. And he says, okay, stay humble. Stay humble. Um, you may have some really cool, really unique gifts, but don't let it go to your head. Um, don't think of yourself more highly than you should. Use, he says, sober judgment when you think about yourself. All right, this means that there is something about us, something in our DNA, our nature, that we as humans... Um, when we start thinking about our particular gifts and uniquenesses, maybe the things that we're like uniquely good at, that, that we will be tempted to pride. That we'll be tempted to think more highly of ourselves than we should. And this is where Paul is being totally consistent with the first 11 chapters of what he has already said in Romans. If you are tempted towards pride, uh, thinking that, you know, that you're pretty good on your own, that you've kind of got it, here are Paul's words to us in the midst of that. This is back in Romans chapter 1 verse 18. 
He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Okay, so that's where we're starting. That's our starting point. Wrath of God against all ungodliness, all unrighteousness, those who suppress the truth. Then in chapter 3, it gets even better. He says, what then are we Jews? He's speaking to Jews. He's contrasting Jews and Gentiles here. Chapter 3, verse 9. What then are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have all already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's Romans chapter 3, 9 through 18, so you can meditate on that later. Here's a summary. No matter how good you think you are, sin has messed all of us up. We don't relate to God like we should. We don't relate to the world like we should. We don't relate to each other like we should. We don't relate to ourselves like we should. Sin messes everything up and we are all sinners. And the culture that we live in around us does not help us in this. It actually only confirms this and actually affirms these tendencies, these sinful tendencies that we have. It does not challenge it. So we can be like so in the world and so far from God that we don't even realize it. We feel like we're pretty good people. Because by the world standards, maybe we are, but not by God's standards. Sin and rebellion against God can actually be normalized in how we live. You're like, phew, like when's the part about spiritual gifts? We talk about like the unique things. All right, it's not all doom and gloom for Paul. But we have to sit in that bad news if we're going to understand the good news. Listen to Romans chapter 3, later on, verse 22. He says, for there's no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You're like, okay, Paul, we get it. Verse 24. And are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation or atoning sacrifice by His blood to be received by faith. He's saying there that in light of the reality and severity of our sin and rebellion, Jesus stood in our place to pay the penalty that we deserve. He's going to say later in chapter 6, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then fast forward to our passage. He mentions here in verse 5 that we are one body in Christ. In Christ is a big term for Paul. Um, to be in Christ is to give yourself fully to Him. We're all in something. To be in Christ is to have given yourself fully to Christ. To be in Him. To believe in Him. To have surrendered your life to Him. Um, Alright, what is all this saying? The starting point for thinking about our unique gifts and glories must come from the level playing field of us recognizing that we are all dead in our sin and our only hope for new life is in Jesus Christ and giving ourselves to Him and surrendering to Him. That's the level playing field that all the gift conversation starts from. Um, so my nine-year-old daughter, Margaret, and I were recently playing a game of horse in our, on our basketball hoop in the backyard. 
And of course, playing horse or pig was too generic for us, so we changed the name of the game to Puppy. So we were playing Puppy in the backyard, and I'm, I have a height advantage over my nine-year-old daughter, and the, we were playing on an eight-foot goal. I'm basically eight feet tall, and so it's pretty easy. Um, and so I said, all right, Margaret, let's level the playing field here. Let's make this a little bit more fair. I'm going to start with the letters P-U-P, and you start with no letters. And she's like, okay, great. She agreed to it, level playing field. And of course, when the playing field is level, she beat me. But in order for the game to be fair, we had to level the playing field. All right. Thinking about what we just read from Romans. We all need Jesus. And because we have all sinned and we have all turned away from God. Do you see how that levels the playing field? That we are all in the same place. No better, no worse than those sitting next to us. All needy sinners whose only hope is in Jesus. So the playing field is level. There's no room for pride. So we can use this sober judgment that he talks about when we think about ourselves. When it comes to talking about the unique gifts that God has given us. That's the first way we're all the same. We all need Jesus. Second way we're all the same is that we all need each other. We all need each other. Look at verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. This is so beautiful, and this is so helpful. Christ, think about a body. Christ is our head, and we are the body. Um, Bodies have different parts. Bodies need, we have some medical people, right? Bodies have different parts, am I right there? Yeah? Bodies need different parts, yeah? Okay, that's where my medical knowledge stops. You can ask the doctors on the rest of that. Um, But think about when a body and all its parts are working together towards the same purpose. Bodies can do amazing things. Think about like Simone Biles in the Olympics doing gymnastics. Think about Michael Phelps swimming. It's incredible what the human body is capable of. And you only get that beauty and that efficiency when all the parts of the body are working together towards the same goal. By the way, make a note, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, verses 12 to 21, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 21, beautiful description where Paul like goes all in with the body metaphor. Go home and read, read it this week and think about that. What Paul is saying here though is that we all need each other. We cannot do it on our own. We need each other in our differences. We, we don't, trust me, we don't want replicas of ourselves in this church family. Imagine a church of only yous. Just like a lot of you over and over. You don't want a church of only Jonathan Davises. That is so much anxiety and hype and stress and stories about running. That would be too much for anyone to bear. Um, We need one another in our differences. I recently helped a neighbor move his piano along with a few others. By the way, I shared the story the first time we helped this neighbor move his piano. This is round two. Just completing the loop. This is bringing the piano back home. So there were three of us. Um, we moved the piano from the storage shed, which was the last sermon illustration about moving the piano, from the storage shed to his truck back into the house. We got back to the house, and we needed more help. And so we texted some guys that live on our street. And it was like we put up the bat signal because instantly guys just appeared um, at his front door. One guy was wearing his pajama pants even to help move the piano, which was great. Um, we took this massively heavy piano And we found a way to get inside my friend's front door. Two guys were on the front sort of steering it, um, guiding it in. Two guys in the back pushing. One guy was holding the door. One guy's like in there moving furniture, moving the rug out of the way. But we all had these very distinct roles and we needed each other. 
in order to get that done. And when we moved this piano all together, um, it was actually easy and fun. And no one ever says that about moving a piano. But it was because we did it together in our differences. We needed each other. That's what Paul's saying in this passage. That we need each other in our differences. And I wonder if you felt that, especially if you've been around resurrection for even like a few months, have you felt that in our life together so far that we need each other in our differences? Have you felt how you need your neighborhood group? Or if you started when neighborhood groups launched back in September, or coming up on like the first whatever academic year of doing neighborhood groups together, have you felt how you need your neighborhood group? And not just like a group in general to be supportive of you, but like the very different personalities that God has put in that group the different giftings, the different perspectives. Sometimes maybe it feels awkward or forced or you're not sure what you're supposed to do with the comment that someone makes during the discussion of the passage one week. But you can feel your need for one another in that moment where, where you realize, oh, I need people who approach this passage differently than I do. I need people from a different background. I need people that have a different story, that are in a different career field than I am to, to speak into my life in this passage, in this situation. Think about just in our life together, we need our musicians to full-on be musicians so all of us non-musicians can worship each week. And I know there's more musicians out there, by the way. (laughs) See Matthew if you're a musician. Um, We need our logistics people to be full-on logistics ninjas so we can have a place like that's set up and organized and ready for worship so all the non-organized, unorganized, non-logistical people can have a place to worship. We need our bakers to bake communion bread each week, which is amazing. So all of us non-bakers can have bread to eat in communion. Um, We need our justice-minded people to keep us engaged in pursuing justice in our surrounding neighborhoods so we can keep that as a priority for our church family. Uh, We need those especially gifted with hospitality to keep hosting, keep opening up your homes, keep bringing, just find opportunities to bring people together. We are members of one another and we're different parts of the same body. So we are the same. Something we share in common is that we need each other. We need Jesus. We need each other. That's how we're the same. First question. All right, second question. How are we different? Let's talk about our differences. Paul tells us something really important about our differences. He says that our differences are from God. Our differences are from God. The ways in which you are different from other people, even in this little church family here, are from God and they are on purpose. Verse 6, he says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. God, in His grace and kindness to you, has given you gifts that are different from other people. Um, Again, think about like the body imagery. In 1 Corinthians 12, he's going to say that the body would not work properly if every part were an ear. Or if every part were an eye, which imagine like a body that was only ears. That is terrifying. (laughs) Absolutely terrifying. That's just not going to work, is what Paul is saying. God made you beautifully unique with your particular gifts on purpose. And it's not just so you can like celebrate the beauty of your uniqueness. It's so you can serve the church body with those particular gifts. Um, One of the things that I say in our new members class and in our new member interviews is that when you join Resurrection, we need you to be fully you. Um, Not some idea of who you think you should be or who you think Resurrection needs, but fully 
you. So maybe like you're newer, you go through the new members class, you want to join this church family, and you think, I met so-and-so, and they seem really like this way, so I feel like to fit in at resurrection, I need to be more this way. That's not what we want. We need you to be fully you in this place because God made you that way on purpose. And not only did he make you that way on purpose, he called you to this church family on purpose to be who you are. We need you to be fully you on purpose. And the more that you are you and your uniqueness and distinctness and giftedness, the more that you're going to help this body become more beautiful and more complete and more Christ-like. I'm not a crazy NFL fan, but I, this weekend was, is, the NFL draft. Is, was, yeah. Um, what are teams doing the NFL draft? They're, they're drafting players from college onto their team, right? Are they trying to get more of the same for what they already have on their team? No. Thank you. Yeah, talk back to me. That's right. They are trying to find something distinctly different, the best of the different that they can add to that team to make it a more complete, a more full team so they can complement each other and what? Be a better team and win. God gave you specific gifts, specific differences, and he did it on purpose. And he brought you again here to this church family, this new little church plant, meeting in this gym on Sunday afternoons on purpose because he loves you and he loves this church. All right, what are the different types of gifts that God gives? Look at verses 6 through 8. It says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. All right, I want to zoom out a little bit from this list. There are, there are a few other passages that the Apostle Paul talks a lot about spiritual gifts. I noted those in your neighborhood group discussion questions, but if you want to jot them down, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12. So it's Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to basically I've combined these lists. I'm not going to hit all of them. I want to hit some of the highlights. I want to name them, maybe say a word or two. I want you to sort of be thinking um, just kind of what stands out to you as maybe it's for you or for your roommate or for your spouse or your kid or whatever. Um, and feel free to jot that down just as we're going through some of these. Um, but this is, this is a little bit of what we see in Romans 12 and then these other passages combined. So the first one he talks about, this is talked about in all the lists, the gift of prophet or prophecy. Uh, there's likely two different things in mind here, like actual prophets that God spoke through and to give us our recorded scriptures. Surely he had that in mind. But also the gift of prophecy that people are able to apply God's word to a particular moment or situation or culture where the, the canon is closed, scripture's done, we've got the book. But people are gifted at being able to apply that to a specific situation or culture or moment. Prophecy. Evangelism is another gift. Evangelism. All followers of Jesus are called to invite others to become followers of Jesus, to engage in what's called evangelism. Um, but some people have the gift of evangelism. And um, maybe that's you. Um, but you know him if you've met him. I think of a friend, Casey, back in Kentucky. Um, I watched Casey befriend his neighbors and coworkers, and I just knew, without a doubt, over the course of the next months and years, we would see those people come to faith in Christ. Casey, unbelievable gift of evangelism. Some people are just uniquely gifted at that. Um, wisdom. Wisdom is another gift. Some people are just uniquely, just uniquely have the wisdom of God. 
And from their story and lots of prayer and maybe many years of following Jesus, they're just incredibly wise. And so God uses them to give wisdom into situations. That can be a spiritual gift. Then there's sort of ones we can kind of group together, like teaching or exhorting or knowledge. Teaching, exhorting, or the gifts of knowledge. Some people are just really good teachers. They're really thoughtful. They're really well-read. They're clear communicators where you just hear them teach like God made that person to teach. That's a gift. Another, another group that we could sort of put together here would be shepherding or helping or serving or showing mercy. By the way, serving, that's like, I want you to think specifically, that's like setup team. Thank you, setup team. Shepherding, helping, serving, mercying. This is a similar grouping, but God gave some people a passion and joy in caring for other people. I wonder if you have that or if you know someone who does. Um, helping others, serving other people, showing mercy, hospitality could fall into this area. Some are just uniquely gifted at just opening up their homes and inviting others around their tables, serving, helping, caring for groups of people. Leading is another gift, leading. Some people are naturally leaders. And most of the time, this is confirmed not by themselves, but by other people who put them in that spot. They say, hey, you're, you're a really gifted leader. You should lead this thing. Will you lead this thing? Will you think about coming on this board or doing, doing this thing, helping, helping lead this thing? Leading is a gift. Giving is a gift. God made some people that really love being generous. Where they have just fully experienced that they, they just know it's better to give than to receive. And they live just generous lives. Giving fires them up. Some people have the gift of faith. Again, faith, that's something that all followers of Jesus have to some degree, but some are given more than others. Um, These are people who are just so firmly rooted in the promises of God and helping others to believe them as well, that they have the gift of faith. All right, that's a lot. Um, That's a lot. Those are pretty broad categories that that Scripture gives us. Um, And so I want you to sort of take those and just think specifically about them in your own life and those around you. And I want to give us just an end by just giving a practical way forward to think about understanding our spiritual gifts and what to do with them. Because sometimes even with that list, you can think, okay, thanks, but like, I still feel like this is this giant mystery to decode and I need to like go off in the closet and try to come out with some clarity. That's not what I'm going to recommend. Here's what I'm going to recommend. A few things to keep in mind. Don't overthink it, but think about what you love doing. What do, you, what do you love doing? Of some of those things I just mentioned, what really fires you up? Is it teaching? Do you love just like prepping to teach? Like maybe you help out with children's church uh, or like Sunday school where you've taught youth group or, or something like that in the past. And that just fires you up. You love the prep. You love the delivery, all that. Maybe giving. Maybe you have that gift of generosity where you just love, love to give to others. Maybe it's serving. You love the behind the scenes stuff. You love setup team. We could use a few more sign-ups for setup team. That's you. Maybe it's hospitality. You, any ex- excuse to open your home. I want you to think as specifically as possible. What do you love doing? What do you look forward to doing? And when the sign-up list goes out, what do you just jump on immediately? What fires you up? That's the first question. What do you love doing? Secondly, ask those around you. This may be the most important thing I'm going to say. Ask those around you. Ask your roommate. Hey, what am I good at? Where do you see me kind of get fired up and really thriving? 
Ask your family. Ask your neighborhood group. There's actually, that's one of the things you're going to do in your neighborhood group this week is talk about this with one another. Say, what gifts do you see in me? I'll never forget when I was, I was working in home construction, thinking about going into ministry and exploring all these things. I sat down with my roommate and I said, hey, can you see me doing this? Can you see me being a pastor and preaching and all that? I won't tell you what he said, but I asked him. Ask those around you. So what do you love doing? Ask those around you. Third thing, just start doing. Start doing. Um, don't overthink it. Do you think, for instance, let's take teaching as an example. Do you think you have a gift of teaching? Children's church can use a few more teachers. Get in that rotation. Try it on. See how that goes. And you may get into the flow and really feel like, hey, God has made me to do this. I love doing this. Um, don't get stuck just thinking about what you're gifted. This is where like, people in our camp kind of live. <laughs> We're great at thinking about this stuff. Just start doing. Try it on. What do you love? What do others around you say? And now just go and try. Just a few little practical things. And I love thinking about this together. You know, in my role, I get to see a lot of the unique gifts in our church family. And I think that we are just scratching the surface on some of the richness of of just embracing the differences of our church family. So I want to end with just two invitations. Two invitations this afternoon. Um, There is an invitation for you to embrace the sameness of your need for Jesus and to follow him. If you are not a follower of Jesus this afternoon, there is an invitation to become one. Um, He invites you to follow him, uh, to lay down your sin that he died for, that he clearly paid for in full on your behalf, to take up his righteousness that he gives to you, and to follow him in faith. There's an invitation to walk with Jesus this afternoon. And if that sounds intriguing to you, I would love to talk with you afterwards about that. That's the first invitation. Second invitation this afternoon, embrace your unique differences and begin using your gifts in this body. God has you here on purpose and we want you to be fully you in this church family. Those are two invitations. Let's pray and ask God to do that among us. Father, thank you so much for the fact that you do gift your people in really unique ways. Um, You call us to your son, Jesus, where we embrace the sameness of needing Jesus and needing one another. And then as we come together in our need for each other, you give us these this little different gifts, ways that we can be fully who you've made us to be in the midst of this body. And so, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, would you help us to know more of ourselves and one another and to be fully who you've made us to be in this church family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.